everyone, and welcome to Minute 44 of Movie Rob Minute, the daily podcast where we take a wild trip through the 1987 John Hughes comedy, Planes, Trains, and Automobiles, one minute at a time. I'm Rob, and joining me once again today is Richard Kirkham of Kirkham Movie a Day and the host of the Lambcast. Welcome back to the show, Richard. Those aren't pillows. <laughs> no, that was weeks ago. That was weeks ago. These, these are... these. These are moon rings. Back, moon rings, moon rings. <laughs> <laughs> so minute 44 begins with Neil looking quite disappointed and ends with Dell trying to start to talk again. So yesterday we had a, a, a day of Dell trying to sell his wares and Neil trying to somehow get in touch with his family, but wasn't able to do so because they're at the Thanksgiving pageant. <laughs> Oops. <laughs> I guess they should have should have tried. What can I tell you? So basically, this minute be- continues with Dell trying to, to sell the shower rings as earrings. And as you mentioned yesterday, what he tries to do here is sell them to these three young teenagers. And he says to that, you know something? It makes you look a little older, too. I mean, not just a little bit. You could pass for 18 or 19. <laughs> and then, and you then know, they put their money out just the like that. Three of them just put their hand, arms out and definitely are willing to pay. They really want to make sure that they that they get it. He, he, as you mentioned yesterday, he's a great salesman. And that scene in itself shows how great of a salesman he is, that he's able to to do this. So the minute begins again with Neil standing next to the payphone and we see that he's quite uh, disappointed by the fact that he wasn't able to get through to his family and you, we just see how much money Dell is able to, to to get here i mean obviously most people are giving him either five singles or, or a five dollar bill or whatever it is but but he's holding a lot of cash in his hand he's he's got a very large wad of cash that is you know mostly singles but who knows it doesn't really matter because as long as you still get to to do what you want to do with that money. It doesn't matter how many denominations you need in order to do it. So then we the, the shot changes and we get to see the two of them in a in a diner. You know, they're eating and it once again says so much about them, but you see what they're eating. Did did you notice what either of them are eating here? I it looked like breakfast food, but I couldn't make it out. Okay, well what it looks like is that Neil is eating a salad. And it's it's hard to tell what what Dell is eating. I mean, this this isn't breakfast time, so you know it, it could be breakfast food. But you know what? It's probably um, chicken chicken fried steak. <laughs> uh, it could mashed be mashed potatoes. I, I I wouldn't know, but if it, but now that I think about it, it actually makes sense because he does take he cuts something in and puts what looks like mashed potatoes on it. So it it is very possible. That's diner food. That's you know standard fare for. Uh, a place like they're in. Yeah, completely. Wow. That that's just uh that that's a good catch. Yeah, I, I didn't I wasn't able to figure out what it was. So that's pretty good. But you see that he has a chocolate milkshake in the background and you know there's there's what's what looks like an open ketchup bottle in the back. <laughs> you know, it's just it's not even next to the plate or anything like that. It's it's where you would have the condiments, but it just looks like it's open. So it goes back to the fact that we, we know that Dell is, is a mess. 
You know, he, <laughs> he always, he has Cracker Jacks on his pajamas and he has, you know, he's, he's crumbs all over himself. So it goes, yeah, it goes he's, without he's not saying. following a very strict diet. Uh, no, I don't think so. <laughs> the two of them are, are sitting there and they, they start a conversation. So Dell says to Neil, so did you call the wife? And Neil's response is, no one was home. They're probably at my daughter's Thanksgiving pageant. At least at least now he remembers that they're at the pageant. And he goes, you missed it. I'm sorry. Those those are the precious moments, too. They don't come back again. <laughs> so it, it what he's saying comes across somewhat sympathetic, but in but it also could be a jab at him at the very same well, time. Is kind of, it is kind of accusatory. Yeah. It's like, you should know better. Yeah, and then Neil Neil starts. He has this look on his face as if he's like pondering, and he's deep in thought. And then he goes, "I've been spending too much time away from home." And then Dell lets out, "I've haven't been home in years." And then Neil snaps out of it and says to him, "What? What? Seriously?" And he goes, "No, no, no, it's just a figure of speech." Which you we know that he's lying, but but I wonder when people first saw this, someone who hasn't seen the movie, you know, will they will they catch that lie? I mean, we can catch that lie because we know what the truth is. Well, I think it's the first foreshadowing of what's coming. Of course it is. But my point is, is that do you think someone who's listening to that for the first time, obviously neither one of us can go back and probably most of our listeners can't go back and remember the first time you saw something, you know, what your reaction was to this, unless you only saw the movie once or whatever it is and you didn't know at the time what it was. But in this case, it, it could be that I, I don't think most people would catch that. They would think that, that he is just using it as a figure of speech, as opposed to really meaning that he hasn't been home for years. Yeah, I, I don't know. I think it's written in a way that really, you know, it's, it's supposed to alert the audience and tip them off that there's something not quite right about Dell. I mean, other than the fact that he's a slob, but there's something... There's a hidden story there too that there's there's more to what's going on than what Dell lets on, and that's that you know it's it's obvious enough that something is going on, but I'm not sure that anybody would pick up on the fact that that really meant that he didn't have a home. Right, that's very true. That's completely true. So I mean, again, he, he the, as this conversation goes, he's going to let a little more little more slip, but it's a question of whether this is. I mean, Neil sort of catches it, but but then Dell sort of tries to make up for it by what he says. And so, you know, Neil had said to him, what, seriously? And he goes, no, it's a figure of speech. You know, I've, I'm on the road so much. It's like not being there, you know, which again, he really isn't there as as we know now. And then he quickly changes the subject and he, he does it very smoothly by saying, by the way, I called a good friend of mine at uh, Eastern Airlines. <laughs> he goes, doesn't look good. And Neil's response is, I know, I called all the airlines. So here they're in St. Louis, you know, and, and, and they're going back to trying to fly. See, that, that's the funny thing here. You know, they, they knew that there was a backup in Wichita, so they couldn't, they couldn't fly. So they decided they were going to take a train, and then they ended up taking a bus. But now they're in St. Louis, and their, their first thought is to try to, to get back onto a plane. Like, it's not as if the airline owes them anything at this point. They, they owe them, but they owe them for their flight from Wichita. I mean, I don't think you can fly, to, you get diverted to one place and then, you know, drive to another place and say to them, okay, I now want you to get me on a flight in place of what I was supposed to be on. Now, I don't think it works well, that I, way. 
Yeah, I don't I don't think that that was the idea. They're just looking for another flight that they can catch. And St. Louis, you would think, would be something of a hub airport. You know, it's a it's a, a big city in the middle of the country. So they're they've got to get, have a good sized airport. Uh, so it makes sense that they might be looking for, a, a, you know, just a short hop. You know, that's yeah. from St. Louis to Chicago is just, uh, I don't know, what, 400 miles? Maybe not even that much. Um, I don't know. But thankfully, well, if you there, there, are ways, between, uh, there are ways of finding that out. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> hmm. I mean, you can fly. It's it's a it's an it's basically an hour and a half. Uh, sorry, an hour and ten minute uh, flight, which will cost you up to one hundred and sixty eight dollars nowadays. So again, it would be cheaper for you to fly from from Austin to to LA. <laughs> <laughs> but the distance, how much? How much did you say it was four hundred miles? About four hundred miles. No, so it's it's three hundred miles, and it takes um, almost five hours to drive it. It's uh, depending on which route you go, you can you can go anywhere between four and four and three quarter hours to to just about five hours for for of drive time to to get there. But I I like the way that Dell quickly changes the subject. You know he 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 sees oh, yeah. that it, that they've hit a sore point, and therefore he's like, okay, I don't I don't want to talk about this anymore. So hey, well, what about uh, you know what about flying? Yeah. You know, and I think that's that's a good uh, a, another hint that there's something going on there that Dell's trying to divert the conversation away from what they were just talking about. He's got his excuse and now quickly changes the subject. Yeah. Now, okay. What what do you remember about Eastern Airlines? Uh, that at one point Frank Borman was the chairman. Uh, you know, and he was a former astronaut. Yes. But uh, I don't think that he was still in charge when. Uh, this movie was made. The Eastern Airlines basically disappeared, I think, in the early 90s. Right. Okay. And uh, I, Very I think there is, I think there's another Eastern Airlines that's basically like a, a charter overseas airline, but it's not the same company that uh, Eastern Airlines was. Eastern Airlines was one of the, the big airlines. It was like TWA, Pan Am, Eastern Airlines, and United were the big four airline companies and uh you know uh Eastern Eastern had been around a long time but I think they had like a lot of lot of uh companies there was deregulation and they uh you know which made it great for customers because it reduced prices increased competition but it made it tough for companies that had big investments in their um labor contracts to compete at at an efficient price uh, and I, and and they and I think they probably were in debt, and they I don't know if they went bankrupt, but they probably sold off all their assets sometime, like I said, in the early '90s, and just disappeared. Wow. Okay, that, that that's pretty impressive. First of all, yes, they were one of the big four. Okay, they the airline was created in 1926, and it. They flew till 1991. It was run by Frank Borman, as you mentioned, and Frank Borman actually came up a few weeks ago during one of the off the beaten track stories, where where one of our guests, uh, Jim O'Kane, actually uh, spent a few hours with Frank Borman, so he talked about that. So anyone who missed that episode, you can go back and listen to the week with Jim. 
and and hear those. They basically went bankrupt in the the, the in 1991. They ran out of money. The one of the owners in the 1930s was Eddie Rickenbacker, who was a World War One flying ace. So he he actually, oh yeah, right. They so, made movies about Eddie Rickenbacker. Yes, they did. So he actually bought it for 3.5 million dollars in 1938. How much do you think that is worth today? 3.5 million in 1938. Well, that's probably 50 or 60 million that's, in today's dollars. You are correct. That's 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 about 64 million dollars. Yeah, that's uh, that's pretty amazing. So because of of what Rickenbacker did with 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 this airline, they actually dominated the air travel. They had pretty much a monopoly on all air travel between New York and Florida from the 1930s to the 1950s. Well, that's the East Coast. Yep, that's right. I I I gave a story a few uh, I guess sorry a few months ago where where we missed a flight on Eastern. <laughs> you know, my my grandfather thought he knew a shortcut, and and we got to the airport as the plane was taking off, and so I had a very memorable flight on Eastern Airlines sitting in the back row with a bunch of people who were smoking the whole time. Who knows what they were smoking, but they were smoking. The old days. That's right. That must have been in 83. No, it must have been in 1981 when that happened. So, yeah. I mean, when Walt Disney World opened in 1971, so Eastern became the official airline of Walt Disney World. And they actually even sponsored one of the rides at the Magic Kingdom. It was called If You Had Wings, which was in Tomorrowland. And right now in that place is Buzz Lightyear's Space Ranger spin. <laughs> that, that's what's located there. So do you know any of the, the slogans of Eastern over the years? They had, they had a whole bunch of slogans. Can you think of any of them? I, I can't remember any of them. You know, in, in the 60s and 70s, all the airlines had uh, – Lots of commercials, and they usually had some kind of jingle or slogan that went along with them. I, you know, I know all the cigarette ads from those days, <laughs> but I couldn't <laughs> tell you any of the airline ones. Okay, so all right, I'll just, I'll just quickly go through them. You have in the in 1963, you had first in on-time dependability. Then after that, they had see how much better an airline can be. Then after that was we want everyone to fly. Number one to the sun. We earn our wings every day. The wings of man. We have to earn our wings every day. We've got your sunshine. America's favorite way to fly. And then in the 1980s, they were the official airline of the Tampa Bay Bucks. That was one of their, their commercial taglines. It's pretty funny. Then after that, they had 100 days. And then they were the finally they were known as the second largest airline in the free world until they went bankrupt. I guess. <laughs> I, I guess it's no longer free. It's not a free world anymore. So yeah, that, that, there's there's a lot more information about about it. I mean, there were there were actually four hijackings of planes from Eastern Airlines. So in 1961, there was a flight that was hijacked to Cuba. Then in 1968, there was another one that was hijacked to Cuba. In 1969, the third one, where do you, where, where would you guess that it was hijacked to? Were they headed to Cuba? <laughs> they were headed to Cuba. <laughs> Apparently and that extra who, 90 miles was just not affordable to some of those people. Apparently not. They didn't want to take the bus. <laughs> it was too expensive to take the bus. But on that third flight, um, Alan Funt was on the plane. 
Oh, wow. And so, therefore, everyone thought that it was a candid camera camera prank. And they, they... they were held for 11 hours of captivity in, in, in Cuba. That's very interesting. I didn't, I didn't notice that. And then the, the final hijacking was in 1970. A deranged hijacker actually shot both pilots of the plane. And the, the first officer was able to take the hijacker's gun and shoot him three times before he succumbed to his own wounds. And the, the captain who had wounds in both arms was still able to fly and land the aircraft safely. Oh, man. So, yeah. Yeah. Wow. That's pretty interesting. Scary stuff. Yes. Yes, because the world today is just so much safer and better. <laughs> well, you know, they, they they didn't do the kind of screening that they did. They do now, of course. That's true. That's very true. <laughs> I'm not even sure it was illegal right. to carry a, a gun on board. I don't know. <laughs> I've I've never tried to get a gun on board. I've I've gotten live bullets on board, but never never <laughs> never a gun. But you'll you'll have to listen to to that off the beaten track story <laughs> to to hear that story of how I got bullet on an international flight too. <laughs> so, all right, do you have anything else for for this minute, Richard? Uh, well, I I don't really, you know, just I I jumped the gun yesterday with the um, mention of how uh, Dell is uh, you know really analyzing his audience well when the three girls are uh, the ones that he's trying to sell the earrings to or the shower rings has earrings to. Um, but you know, he's got a good business savvy sense. I don't know. Committing fraud on all those other ones is probably not something that would be very admirable, but, uh, you know, this one, I think you can honestly say that's a subjective judgment. They make you look older. Yeah, correct. Most most people, most people don't want to look older, but I guess the teenagers. Oh yeah, definitely. (laughs) Yeah. All right. So every day we we talk about the differences between the, the script and the final cut of the movie and this this minute actually has some some differences here so first of all they show instead of having this whole montage of women that are buying the the various earrings from dell so it says that there's a trio of women a large stocky middle-aged woman a large stocky woman in her 30s and a stocky teenage girl they're all wearing plastic shower curtain rings in their ears It's pretty much all, all all they talk about with Dell's ability to, to to sell stuff. And then we have the the two of them sitting in in the the cafe, restaurant, diner, or whatever you want to call it, and they're actually both eating chili dogs. And we see that Neil is having a lot of trouble eating this chili dog. And they they have extended conversations. And Dell then says to Neil, I'm in the wrong business. You know, how many of those damn rings I sold? Dozens. I don't know what got into me, but that was a brilliant idea. (laughs) And then Neil says, you didn't have to sell your samples. And then Dell responds, I've steered you wrong so many times. I felt felt like a (laughs) burger on a stale bun. The least I can do was scrape up a nice meal for you. Did you call the wife? So first of all, I, I find it great how a lot of times you see in the script because this was all filmed. I mean, I find it amazing the the way that they they edit things here because you have parts of the script that you can see that it's just completely cut. You know, they 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 film the whole the whole scene and then they just cut out the line and the their discussion begins with him him asking, "Did you call the wife?" You know, and you you have no recollection of anything else that he said beforehand. And then Neil's response was, is no one was home. They're probably at my daughter's Thanksgiving pageant. And then Dell responds, it's a bit you missed it, huh? Those moments are precious. And then Neil starts talking about spending too much time away from home. 
And then he says, then Neil Del says, I haven't been home in years. And Neil says, seriously? And then it says here, he didn't want to say what he did, a slip of the tongue. He quickly gets off the subject. So then he goes, figure of speech. Listen, I called an old friend at, at Eastern Airlines. He said the chances of getting a flight into Chicago from here are about the same as a mouse sexually satisfying a black rhino. Maybe a little too uh, on the nose there. Yeah, Dell Del has his, his sayings. There's no question about that. I'm quite glad they cut that out because that really does not, that doesn't fit in here. <laughs> and then Neil's response is, I know, I called all the airlines. And then Dell says, did you call your office? Maybe they have some clout. You have a company plane? And Neil says, nope, the office closes at noon. So again, it's not needed. None of this extra dialogue is really needed here, but it, but it gives the it gives us more of an indication as to what type of conversation this really is. You know, I, like I said before, I like the way they chop it up, but seeing the whole, the whole thing as a whole also works really, really well here. And that's pretty much uh, the, the main differences between the two. So every day we have a segment called Off the Beaten Track, where either myself or my guest will give a little adventure or misadventure of something that might have happened to us along the way in life. So, Richard, you got another one for us? I do, but I feel a little bit like I'm denying you the opportunity to do some sharing. No, don't worry. I have I have plenty of weeks to share. Go ahead. You you only have two more opportunities, okay. so you might as well get those stories in. Well, it's all about me, me. But me, thank you. I appreciate I appreciate that. Uh, of course, it's all about you, you, you. We, you know, we're talking about a film that is about travel, planes, trains, and automobiles. And uh, I've traveled by plane. I've traveled by automobile. I actually have done a little bit of train travel, and uh, but it was a very short train trip. It was just a single day um, in Alaska. And if anybody has ever done one of those extensive cruises in Alaska, they when you end up in Denali uh, National Park, you get a chance to see the park. You're lucky if you actually see the mountain. It's only a, it's only visible one day out of three because of cloud cover. And we did see it, so we lucked out in that situation. Uh, But we rode the train back from Denali back down to Anchorage, and it's one of those uh, glass-top trains, so you get to see the scenery all the way down. So we had a little bit of an adventure on the train uh, doing that. And, um, you know, it's, it's... I, I've always romanticized train travel I, ever since I was a kid, you know, and, and saw From Russia with Love. And I thought, boy, wouldn't it be great to ride on the Orient Express and have your own little uh, room and uh, a bed that uh, pops down and, uh, you know, go to the dining car. Never did never did all of that, but I did get a chance to go to the dining car on the, the uh, train in uh, Alaska. And that was kind of fun. You know, we just went down and had a little... Uh, dessert and lunch and uh and went back up to our seats and watched the uh scenery pass by and that was just a few years ago oh wow that sounds really cool i i knew you'd get a a a james bond reference in here somewhere <laughs> i knew i knew it was gonna happen i'm a little predictable huh is that what you're saying uh sometimes sometimes <laughs> So, Richard, would you like to tell people how they can get in touch with you? Well, once again, folks, if you are listening for the fourth day in a row, uh, it's at kirkhamamovieaday.com. That'll take you to one version of my site. You can take kirkhamclass.blogspot.com. That'll take you to the more complete version of the site. I'm also available at the LAM site, uh, largeassmovieblogs.com. And you can uh, also find me on Twitter, although I don't 
really do Twitter much except uh, to post links on my other sites. But if you want to, you can tweet at me at at Richard K007. All right. And while you're doing that, you can go rate, review, and subscribe on any podcatcher you might be using to listen to this show. Finding me is always very simple. Just do a quick search for Movie Rob Minute. You can find our website. You can find me on Twitter. And you can find me on Facebook. So, Richard, do you feel like coming back and finishing off the week with us tomorrow? Well, it would just seem wrong to bail out after four days and not come back for the fifth. So I guess I'll find a way to do that. All right. But uh, it, it, you might just have a long conversation between Dell and Neil to, to have to dissect with me. We'll figure it out. All right. Well, until then, you're fine. You're fine.